delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Oh, I love that new intro. G'day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On the Grid, the podcast that we like to think just keeps delivering. Richard Crow here. Shebex is on assignment. We'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. It's not as exciting as it sounds, believe me. So I'm in the hot seat this week, filling in, joined by my old mate, Mark Walker. Hello, Mark. Plenty to talk about this week, as always. Well, first of all, that the voiceover guy at the start's back, which is great yes. that uh, the check didn't bounce and he's come back for more in week two. But hey, we get to go racing this weekend. That's uh, going to be something that we haven't felt in a few weeks because it seems like Bathurst was only yesterday. It was. It was actually two months ago, but we're really right. excited to get down to AWC Race Tasmania, the first major national race meeting of the year. A big show coming your way a little bit later on to talk about that event, Matt Nolte. One of the commentary team on Stan Sport will be joining us to run through things like TCR, Trans Am, and of course the S5000 Australian Drivers' Championship. And later in the program, Mark, Dorit Guy is back. Hashtag Dorit Guy. Tom Archuli will join us to run through all of the motorsport news. We've got a bit of news of our own to talk about, uh, and we'll debrief what went on in Los Angeles on Monday morning Australian time at the NASCAR Clash, because it was very, very cool indeed. Uh, but I think we should go straight into our first guest because he's on the other end of the line. And this weekend, he starts his defence of the Australian Drivers' Championship. And it's been more than two decades since someone was able to win the Gold Star back-to-back. He drives the Form 700 Alibar car for Team BRM. His name is Joey Mawson, and he joins us on the grid. G'day, Joey. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Crazy. Thank you for having me on board. Mate, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. We followed your story last year. You were on the show a couple of times, and we loved that. Um, how do you reflect on the roller coaster of what's basically 12 months since you came back to Australia and won that race at Simmons Plains almost 12 months ago now? Yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, a lot has happened in that year, but um, one thing's for sure. Yeah, in general, it's been uh, very positive since I've restarted my career back in Australia. And um yeah, I mean, uh, I remember hop- hopping out of hotel quarantine and it was just a, a one-off race. And then, uh, yeah, we are just going race by race in the championship. And obviously things went well when we managed to come away with the championship. So 12 months on, um, we're here starting again at Simmons Plains and hoping to have another good year. Yeah, Team BRM, obviously, great outfit, anything open wheel. They're the team you want to be with. And you've got a couple of gun teammates this weekend as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, Caleb did a, a really good job last year in uh, the two races or two or three races that he entered into. Um, you know, he had a lot of raw speed and uh, managed to come up away with two wins. And uh, obviously to have Tim Slade uh, on board as a teammate. Uh, it's fantastic for the series. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And it uh, obviously brings a, a lot more eyes, um, you know, into the series with a, a big name like that. So I'm really looking forward to the weekend ahead. Well, it's a good point you make, Joey, because Tim is a, a well-known name. He's a, a proven top 10 contender in supercars, and he showed that last year with, with Cool Drive Racing, did a superb job. For you, and you've got sights perhaps on having a look at some supercar stuff down the road. You've, you've spoken about that openly in interviews before. Do you strike this as a bit of an opportunity to go, hey, I can I can race these guys. I, I can knock Slady off and... You know, sort of show people what I'm about in if they perhaps haven't followed your career quite as closely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, again, with uh, we're having Slady on board. It brings uh, new eyes to, to the series. And, uh, you know, having him in the series for me, it's just a, a win-win because uh, obviously if I manage to have a successful weekend and, uh, you know, finish finish well, then uh, it obviously becomes more positive for me. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really excited just to have him as a teammate. To be honest, he was uh, he was at the fir- one of the first test days when I was uh, testing out a Formula Ford when I was 14 or 15. Really? Um, like give me coaching tips. So now, um, yeah, I don't I don't remember what year it was. Probably would have been like 2010, 11, that long ago. So now, um, to have him as a teammate, um, and especially that he's a, a live, you know, V8 supercar driver, like um, he's still in the series, currently competing. It's uh, it's really really cool. So supercars, have you had a, a drive recently? What's been the situation? Would you be open to a, a drive at Bathurst? Uh, you know, a lot of people have compared these cars to supercars, how they handle and how they perform if they've stepped across from supercars in the past. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm definitely looking to move up to V8 supercars in the future. That's uh, that's my my future goals. And um, yeah, I mean, between the two, I found the power was very linear uh, when I drove the V8 supercar. The S5000 seems to be a little bit more like a, a VTEC. It doesn't have much power down low, and then it kicks in. Um, I was actually surprised with the supercar how much grip it had. Um, a lot of people told me not to expect too much, but everything about the car was above my my expectation. You know, the level of grip that it had, um, how well it braked for the the weight that it has. Um, but yeah, obviously they're still quite different. I mean, the Vitz because a tin top, the S5000 is a, a single seater. Um, the only way they feel similar is in the weight that you have to carry around the circuit. And the fact that the S5000 cars, they're not, abundantly with filled with downforce are they for a, for a wings and slicks car they're quite low low aero grip and it, it's more on the mechanical grip and rolling that speed into a corner and things like that which i suppose makes the driving style semi-similar yeah indeed i mean it's, it's mainly for us in the s5000 that the the tire is so hard so because the tire is hard the car's you know very much sitting on top of the surface um you know, the aero is not too bad, but it's, it's mainly the tyre that really just holds us back, um, being being a hard compound tyre. But um, I think it makes the racing really interesting. You know, we're always slipping and sliding. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's what makes the category what it is, really. Now, for most of your career, you've been racing in the big wide open tracks of Europe. Coming back to Simmons Plains, it's a, it's a bit of a culture shock, but it's a good track for open wheels. It doesn't matter if it's Formula Fords or Formula 3 or S5000, always good slipstreaming battles. But what's it like? It's something so different to what you've been used to. Yeah, indeed. I mean, well, the benefit of Simmons Plains with such a short lap, you get plenty of laps and, and running across the weekend, plenty of opportunities to, to keep learning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoy it because it's such a unique circuit. I mean, you know, the track's got what? three four corners or basically mm. four corners for us so um yeah it's uh it's a short lap it's uh the racing's always always interesting and good and um yeah obviously looking forward to uh sunny tasmania if we get sunny weather <laughs> yeah a bit, bit of rain potential in the forecast as well which could throw things up in the air a little bit um the reason mark brings up simmons plains joey is he and i called a formula ford there racing about 2010 or 11 that we're still mentally scarred by. They were five wide and banging wheels and flying. It was, it was loose, crazy. You can, you can imagine having raced Formula Ford, you can imagine what that would have been like at that place. Oh, I could imagine. I mean, uh, with the slipstream around Simmons Plains, you'd never, never get away in a Formula Ford. (laughs) It was was pretty crazy. Speaking of crazy, we haven't spoken since the last round of last year, which was the end of the Tasman series at Mount Panorama. Now the racing was a challenge. Lots of yellows finished under caution, but I don't want to dwell on that, but I do want to dwell on the driving experience of an S5000 at Mount Panorama and especially make that qualifying session because it was probably before the supercar top 10 shootout. I reckon it was the best session of the entire event and it was you and James Golding and Roberto Mary and a couple of others just edging closer and closer to the 159s. What was an S5000 like at Mount Panorama? Oh, it was amazing. I think uh, as far as the track and car combination, it's probably the best experience I've had in my career to date. And uh, yeah, it was just really, really cool. It's a big shame that uh, they cut the horsepower down because it would have been nice mm-hmm. to be well into the, the one minute. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, I reckon the highlight was was going flat out in quali, um, you know, being in, in quali trim. And yeah, it's uh, it's a unique opportunity to drive Bathurst. It's... Um, it's just such a unique and, and crazy place. I mean, you know, if you think about it, we're driving up and down a mountain. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it was a really, really cool weekend. I hope we get the opportunity to drive there again. So moving forward after Simmons Plains, the two rounds that follow it, are circuits that really should, you know, play to the strong side of the car, Phillip Island and the Albert Park Grand Prix track, especially with all the changes that they've made to the Grand Prix circuit. Indeed, indeed. Um, I felt last year like Phillip Island and um, particularly, uh, yeah, City Motorsport Park, those, these fast flowing tracks are what is uh, well suited to the car. Um, they don't like too much slow speed corners because they're so heavy and they take such a long time to, to rotate. But the fast flowing circuits like Phillip Island and obviously Albert Park this year will be uh, well suited to the cars. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how... Uh, how we get if how we go with a full weekend of running at Albert Park in uh, in our finally our debut. 
Yeah, it's been a massive tease because we went there in 2020 famous event and we got qualifying in and you went on the grid that time, but, uh, and we didn't get any further than that. And then we tried again last year and it, it didn't happen, but that's going to be a really cool experience. You, you cut some laps at the old Albert park before they chopped and changed it in a cup car, but that's, yep. that's going to be a really interesting challenge, isn't it? And I mean, it's a level playing field for S5000 because they've barely been there, but just from across the board and, and speak to your international experience here that a group of drivers, including the F1 stars are going to a racetrack that's fundamentally very, very different to how it was before. And what sort of approach do you take when you, when you get to that kind of situation? Yeah, indeed. I mean, um, I, I'm really looking forward to a new layout. I mean, every time you get to experience a new circuit, it's always exciting. And, uh, yeah, the fact that the track's much more fast and flowing, um, it's going to be more well-suited to the F1 cars and the S5000s as well. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how much simulator driving we'll be able to get um, before the event. But, uh, yeah, I think overall it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a, a very exciting weekend. And it's not every day, mate. They go, oh, we've made a racetrack faster. Usually they slow the down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if the racing is going to get get better out of it. I mean, that was particularly their goals with mm. changing the circuit. Um, but yeah, that uh, that back section is uh, certainly going to be a lot faster now. One of the things that we've seen with the S five thousand cars, they've got the halo, and I mean, you don't even think about it anymore when you look at the cars. It's just that's the normal thing. Do you even notice it still? when you get in these things? Actually, you really don't, to be honest. I mean, only when you're jumping in, of course, because you use them to climb into the car. But um, yeah, to be honest, when you're out there, you, you really forget that it's there. You, you don't even notice it. You don't even notice it. Yeah, it, there, it, you're right though, Mike, how it just, it's now just part of the furniture, isn't it? Whether it's F1 yeah. or S5000 or the junior categories in Europe that have all got it now. I was speaking to Thomas Randall, actually Joey's teammate last year in S5000, and he's even bolted a halo onto his uh, simulator there at Dream Simulations in Melbourne. So invited me for driving that, by the way. You might have to hit him up, Joey, actually, because I reckon he'll get a sneaky version of Albert Park in there before <laughs> we go to we go to Melbourne this year. Yeah, particularly because we're not teammates now. We might actually give me a go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> not worried about you knocking him off, for sure. Uh, that's it. <laughs> hey, look ahead to this weekend, mate. Um, competitive field, rivals from last year back, like James Golding, who's always super fast, always very, very competitive and feisty behind the wheel. You mentioned Slade, um, Caleb Natoa, who did a really good job in the BRM car last year. Um and, and some other guys like Josh Fife coming into the category, Cooper Webster, who's a quick young guy. So there's some really good depth in the field, but how do you approach this weekend and uh, what's the, the plan from when you get on track Thursday for some testing and then into practice and quality on Friday, Saturday? Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's exciting with the, the grid and the, the names that we have uh, this weekend, but um, yeah, uh, obviously going to just take each session by session and um, yeah, my goal is just to, to have a clean weekend and try kick off the championship with uh, with some solid points. Um, obviously, BRM had some good pace last year, but uh, every year you kind of start from scratch again. So, um, yeah, really uh, just hoping to learn from my mistakes that I did in the Tasman series and uh, use that to my benefit. I mean, that was one of the things from that Tasman series. The hard cars to drive, seemingly, from looking from the outside, and you're all good drivers out there. You're all pushing the limits, but... The limit's so much closer in these cars when you're really pushing it. Absolutely. I mean, um, in general, the the Tasman series, unfortunately, was a bit scrappy from from the whole series. There was a, a lot of incidents. And, you know, on reflecting on the series, we only had one race without safety car, which was that mm. uh, that Monsoon race three in, uh, in Sydney. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we have a clean weekend and uh, all the drivers are, are behaving and, uh, yeah, we get some good running. All right, mate. We really appreciate your time as always. Congratulations. Just last one from me. I mentioned at the top that it's very rare in the history of the Australian Drivers' Championship, which stretches back six decades, that anyone has a shot to defend the title. It's a prestigious award. You spoke to that when you won it at Sydney Motorsport Park last year. Simon Wills was the last driver to win back-to-back -back in 1999 and 2000 with Barana Racing, which is an Adelaide-based team, which is a nice little quirk in stats history with yourself and team BRM but ironically you won BRM's seventh gold star 
last year and Barana Racing won seven gold stars in their history over their time in open wheel racing. So there's a lot of little stars aligning here, mate, for you to <laughs> maybe go back to back. But what what would it mean for you to repeat that and to back up a championship year after year? Because it's not something you get an opportunity to do very often. Exactly. It's a, it's a real privilege that I'm uh, even getting an opportunity to come back and have the opportunity to go back to back. Um, yeah, obviously uh, for BRM, we'll you know, make a new record to, to get that eight star. So, um, yeah, no pressure, but uh, I'll try to bring the best version of myself and uh, hopefully by the end of the season, it's, uh, it's enough to get the job done. Well, you bought the best version of yourself last year, mate. We thoroughly enjoyed following your progress. We look forward to doing it again this year. Best wishes for Tassie this weekend. Looking forward to catching up with you down there, mate, and seeing S5000 live and in the flesh again. Joey Mawson, thanks for joining us on The Grid. Thank you very much. Thank you, Richard and Mark, for having me on. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. Great to have Joey Mawson on the show. He's a superstar. We're looking forward to him rolling out in the S5000 Australian Drivers Championship this weekend. He will defend or try to defend his gold star title driving for Team BRM against a very competitive field down at AWC Race Tasmania. Simmons Plains Raceway, Mark. It is a sensational little racetrack. We touched on it. We've lived some experiences down there, Mark Walker, both at the circuit and at the pub afterwards. But uh, what a cracking little racetrack that is. What a cracking good Irish pub they've got too. Actually, all the pubs in yeah. Lonnie are just absolutely ace. I am going to get a lot of FOMO because you guys are going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, we are. We're looking forward to it. And uh, to enjoy the weekend in the commentary box for Stan Sport and Nine Gem over the weekend will be one of the great voices of Australian motor racing. We couldn't afford Greg Rust, so we've got Matt Nolte <laughs> on the program this week on The Grid. Nolte, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, guys. Uh, new season upon us right now. It's just fitting yet to talk about the pubs of Launceston that introduced me. Yes. Yes, I would imagine, and bearing in mind this is a PG show, yeah. you and the Launceston nightlife would have a, a history, I would imagine. You know what? Actually, it's not. I think last year was the first time I actually went out there because we got down there rather early, Crowley, mm. if you remember. I forgot the name of the pub in <laughs> the commercial. But it, I, I tell you now, it started off as a quiet night and all of a sudden you looked over the balcony and the lineup was 100 metres long that on was a Sunday night. The commercial hotel because we were, we were racing. Like we were on track Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So yeah. we got there Saturday and like with no commitments the next day. So it was Saturday night in Lonnie. And at that point in February last year, they hadn't heard of COVID. So <laughs> there were, there were no restrictions, were they? And yeah, the, the old, the Mersh, as one of the locals Mersh. called it, the commercial hotel at nine 30 on a Saturday night. I mean, it, it's Hindley street in Adelaide at two in the morning. It was extraordinary. Caught us by surprise, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just stoked. We can go back there a second time. And I, I've got a feeling taking it back on a serious track, which I don't do too often. No, I, I feel like this is going to be a better year. And I'm really looking forward to getting down there this weekend. The anticipation is high. Of course, you talked about the new um, TV slash streaming deal with Stan sport. That's going to, have the punters and the industry talking a fair bit about that over the next couple of months. Already has. Uh, so let's dive into the weekend. Uh, you and I will be working on three categories uh, present, which is the S5000 Australian Drivers Championship Turtle Wax Trans Am Series, which is such a cool sponsor, <laughs> Super Chip Auto TCR. Let's dive into Trans Am first. It's such a good category, boys. It's been thoroughly entertaining ever since it became part of the ARG and Speed Series world. 26 cars entered from about 35 initial sort of expressions of interest. So the fields are going to build over the course of the year, but it's just old school, hardcore racing, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's great. I mean, watching them at Bathurst up close, one of my favorite moments of that whole six day festival we had was the right hander after the cutting, just watching the cars, taking photos of them down low from behind. And the first guy comes through and it's all skanked up and crossed up and sideways. <laughs> and then the second car comes through and he's worse. And it just keeps snowballing. They're just such good fun things to watch. But the racing's great. The racing at the front of the field was absolutely top notch. And the field is becoming more and more stacked. Like we've got some good drivers coming in there now. We've got Nash Morris uh, in the super cheap car. That's cool to, cool to see some commercial backing there. And he's clearly doing some good things. Winner in the Super 3 uh, series last year. And Jet Johnson, 
I've watched Jet since he was racing go-karts uh, up into Hyundai XLs. He seems to be getting better the faster the cars. There's a bit of the Jacques Villeneuve about him where he keeps stepping up and keeps getting better, which is cool to see. Yeah, I, I really love this category. We got to call it a couple of times last year. The, the, the big Australia Day race we had in Tasmania last year was great for the ages as well. But to have some new names, and Mike pointed out then, you know, the second generation guys are coming through now as well. And I'm so happy Nathan Hearn has come back to defend the crown. He's been busy driving a sprint car down there as well. So he's going to come in fairly uh, race sharp. Last time we saw the Hearn car was parked in the museum, Krause. And we yeah. thought that'd be the end of him. We wouldn't see him come back, but he's going to be behind the wheel of a Mustang this weekend, which would be great to see. So as well as Hearn, there's, how, how's these surnames? This is fantastic. Grice, Ben Grice, who's got a couple of cars on the grid. Yeah. Ellery in Dalton Ellery is the son of Steve. Who, and they can steer too, the, the Ellery guys. They sure can, Dalton Ellery. Uh, Morris, you mentioned. Owen Kelly. So Morris, Kelly, Brett Holdsworth, and Jet Johnson. The list of surnames reads like an Australian <laughs> touring a Shell Series race in the 90s or early 2000s. It's so cool. The depth in it's amazing. 26 of them are going to be down there this weekend. So it's a big step up on what we had for last year. And let's let's not um, talk about it lightly. The logistics just to get to Tasmania is quite uh, difficult and expensive. But to get a 26-car grid down there, man, it's going to be awesome. It's easy to believe that all of the names I've rattled off are contenders, but there's other ones in there as well. Uh, Eden Thornborough was quite competitive at points last year. Nolts, John McCorkindale comes across from yes. Super 2 to Trans Am. So he's been fast in Porsches. He's been fast in Super 3 and V8 Touring Cars where he was a title contender and quick in Super 2 last year on occasions in an older car, it must be said. So he's going to be a, a contender somewhere near the front once he gets hold of it. Um, young Cody Bircher, who's a bit of a superstar out of Orange, um, jumps in. He, young teenage kid, who's another using Trans Ams as a way up the field. Um, Cole Girton, who's a fast Queenslander. And of course, you mentioned Nathan Hearn. So picking a winner for mine, uh, bloody hard work. Yeah, that's what we like. If it's predictable, then it's boring, isn't it? So you've got Tim Brooke also in the field, who's yeah. gone back to his own team this year as well. Kyle Girton, who finished fifth in the championship as well. So, But no less than 10 rookies in the field, which is great to see. And wait till we come back, as we call it, to the mainland for the second round in March. We should have grids of 30 cars this year. Yeah, yeah. Back to the big island. Yeah, the big uh, island, yeah. It, it's great. The thing, and now I don't want to give away tips of the trade, and, and all three of us have called motor racing. Um, but the thing I love about Trans Am is that now we all, when we're calling car races, put in an enormous amount of prep behind the scenes, yeah. winning notes and stats and records and driver profiles and all that kind of stuff. You kind of don't have to with Trans Am because the, <laughs> the races are so short and the field's so stacked and there's always a battle. You can just rely generally that it's always going to be a good racing product to talk about. So you, you don't get those boring moments in motor races where you have to delve into the record books and go, I remember back in 1935 when so-and-so did this. I, I feel like I'm giving away some of the tricks of the trade nolts, but it is absolutely the case with that category. Two, two categories. You named one right there. And Aussie Racing Cars is another one. Uh -huh. uh, Chris Stubbs that's joined us on regular occasions. I remember him coming to the box last year at Sydney. We had to call one race of Aussie Racing Cars and he was stacked up to the max and said, Throw that out the window because you're never going to look at the entry list by the time we get to turn number two. And that's what's so exciting about this category. Uh, boys, we should talk about TCR. Uh, Mark, you saw them a couple, a couple of times, but you saw them at Bathurst last year, as did we all. Pretty good product there, actually. The races were very competitive. They were very competitive last year down in Tassie as well. Uh, it's one of those tracks that does lend itself to good racing, doesn't it? Big, long straights and tight corners. It's what, what makes good racing, doesn't it? Um, Interesting, a lot of driver swaps going on, team swaps and car swaps and different things that we'll see in the grid. Uh, obviously, Chaz Mostert won the championship Bathurst and bowed out, but he's been replaced by Will Brown, which uh, <laughs> as, as a like-for-like -like swap, that's not bad. And he's very good in these cars. He's very good in anything, really, isn't he? So he'll be one to absolutely beat. But we saw so many underdogs get up there and claim big results. You know, Jordan Cox switching across to the Peugeot, which is something a bit different, but... Uh, 
I don't think that's going to slow him down, is it? <laughs> you, you can put Jordan Cox on a penny farthing, he'd still be exciting to watch. He'd be sideways on a penny yeah, farthing. Yeah, I don't exactly. know how that's going to work. Exactly that little, right. It's that little rear wheel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, we got rookies in this field too, like Cody Garland, who moves across the Aussie racing cars. He was given the highest points award last year. There was no series champion awarded due to the fact that the championship got wound up in Sydney earlier in the year. Braden Wilmington moves across something about half the horsepower what he is, he's used to driving though Krause. yep correct jumping out of s5000 into i think he's driving the alpha that jordan raced yeah. last year in in tcr which is cool yeah. uh, the the big one i think a lot of people are going to have their eyes on fabian coulthard out of a gig in supercars he's come out in the press this week and said he had no idea it was happening um he thought team sydney was a family environment he was proven wrong so um <laughs> out on his backside a few weeks before the start of the season and now scrambling for an enduro drive and he'll be driving the stan sport livery car for wall racing in one of the the honda civic type r's a car that didn't have a particularly good run at, at simmons last year with the bop not playing to their advantage but still like quality product nolts watching his process and how he adapts to the front wheel drive stuff is going to be really interesting for mine and one of the stories of the weekend I'm very interested to see his thoughts when he gets out after practice and definitely after qualifying on Saturday. It's only a one-off round at this stage, but hey, it was the same for Chaz Mostert last year when he yeah. came down as well and he ended up going on to win the championship. So I'm glad that Fabs has found a home here and I hope he can go on for the rest of the season because it just further strengthens. I said it several times in the broadcast last year, we don't want to have a grid full of rookies. We need to have a mixture of guys that have, either come to the end of their supercars career or have come back from overseas and come back to find a home in Australia to mix it with the up-and-coming drivers and the weekend warriors that can find a budget to come and race in TCR, which is really, really good. Actually, a bit of a dark horse, Ben Barguana. I like yeah. what he's, where he's going. Like, his development last year was fantastic. Agreed. I think he was uh, very, very close to uh, collecting that win. In fact, both he and Aaron, Aaron Cameron finished side-by-side side in that race yeah. at Bathurst last year. So both those guys, Aaron Cameron for me is one that could absolutely win the series this year. Yeah, He led races last year and the stats will never back up how much of a good year he had. I, I you know, I completely agree with you. And the thing that... <laughs> That's rare. <laughs> I know, very, <laughs> very. Uh, the thing that blew me away about Aaron last year was how he adapted into the S5000 for the yeah. Tasman series and won it. But his most impressive drives came in adverse conditions in the rain. Joe Mawson talked about it earlier in the show at Sydney Motorsport Park. Superb over one lap pace at Mount Panorama and did got the points to win the cup at the end of it and the 30 grand that went with it. That and that real that was really impressive. And and it was one thing to be good in a front wheel drive two litre touring car, but to drive something fundamentally completely wholesale different, that was what was super impressive for me for Aaron. So yeah, I of the, it, it's hard to not call him a name, but he doesn't carry the the Coulthard or a Moffat surname. But he's definitely one of those, you know, the the privateer, I suppose, runners who goes into this as a, a real chance at winning the title. But there, there's so many names. It's a probably good field this year. Like Brad Shields in the mm. Tilton Racing I30, always strong, always competitive. He's a fast, fast guy. Yeah. Luke King. Um, Nolts gave Chaz Mostert a run for his money last year in the uh, in the Audis as well. Yeah, he was second, remember, going into the final round. Of course, he's caught up in that turn one, lap one incident, which dropped him ultimately to fourth in the series. So he'll be seeking redemption. We're also going to see the debut of the brand new Audi LMS that's debuting in the hands of Jay Hansen. He jumped across from Ash Seawood's team and into Melbourne Performance Centre late in the season. So remember, this kid debuted and got a podium only to be penalised at the end of race number one. So he'll be great to watch around this very fast Simmons Plains track. That, have you seen that car? Boys? Amazing. That Beautiful. thing has flares that would make someone in the 1970s blush. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like that, that could be a group, like a 1984 VK HDT Group C Commodore, but more flares. Like yeah. <laughs> they're, they're ridiculous. Out of Great. control. Imagine driving that on the road. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I purposefully saved the best for last, of course. Uh, Wings and Slicks Racing, dear to my heart, as you boys know. Uh, the opening round of the S5000 Australian Drivers' Championship. Not a massive field, but gee, it's stacked. 
Uh, very, very competitive. We've heard from Joey Mawson already in the show, looking to become the first driver since the year 2000 to go back-to-back in the Australian Drivers' Championship. Simon Wills, the last to do it. But he's got to beat a couple. And Nolts, you and I called this last year. And one of the great things we loved was Joey Mawson versus James Golding. And yeah. you get the vibe that we're going to see more of that this season. I, I, for one, never expected to see James Golding take to this category like he did. I thought after winning that exhibition race in the first year back in 2019 that it may have been a bit of a fluke. And that's no disrespect to him. But, man, he's really, really taken at some of these more season-open wheeler guys. But you're right, it's, it's a spicy-looking battle to watch these two as the season progresses this year. And hopefully we can you know, have a clean run with this championship as well as more cars come online. Tell you what, Tim Slade last year in the supercars, he proved to be an A-grade driver. He had 14 top 10s in a one-car first-year operation. Slade is a good driver and he's driven open wheelers before. He's got all the experience. He'll be up there. I agree. And I think this is a great opportunity for him to be back in the open wheeler as well. And, and hasn't he had a turnaround in fortunes? It's what Lee Holdsworth is doing this year. He went through last year and what Andre Heimgartner went through several seasons back. So... Seeing Slade back in an open wheeler will be pretty cool and I'll get him race sharp when they lead into their big series opener at the start of March up in Sydney. Cool field. Uh, lots going on. So Adam Garwood comes across from Touring Car Masters to drive for Gary Rogers Motorsport in the car that Nathan Hearn raced last year. That's a market quirky one, isn't it? Well, I think that's John Bow's idea. It wasn't Bowie trying to ship him off he out of Touring Car Masters. was at Simmons Plains last year because JB was getting beat by him. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to be interesting, but we've seen people come across from dirt track racing and go pretty well in 5,000 because they've got, need a lot of throttle control and Garwood, since he stopped racing TCM about halfway through last season, he's just been running his sprint car in the racetracks of Tasmania. So Nolte, you know, Speedway better than any of us. <laughs> he's going to be fun to watch. If anything, he's just be driving the thing on the right foot. I just love the fact now that we're seeing drivers get into a sprint car or a speedway car during the summertime. And it's, it's a craze that's really starting to gain momentum because it's proven what, what Cam Waters has done. Mm. Isn't the last couple of years, he went from production sedan, won the strength, won the championship, ran a late model briefly. And now is learning how to drive a sprint car. I think this is great for both sides, but I'm excited to see how Adam Garwood goes in one of these cars, but I'd love, love, love to see JV just have one round in these cars. Yeah. It'll happen. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it. we'll find a way to make it happen. He's too competitive to not do it. Yeah, and it's like what I said about the other categories. You still need to have that measuring post. And even from a nostalgia point of view, for us guys to see JB back in an open wheel would be awesome. But it does need uh, the heroes and villains in there. It needs mm. the experience. It needs guys like that coming through. And I'm sure as as the international borders start dropping, it feels like it's you know getting better and better every day we get up now we'll start to see the international guys come out and race here. It's, it's got such potential. We just haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah. Actually, I remember JB having a run in an F5000 at the historic Phillip Island. Well, it might have been a decade ago now, but he was absolutely on it there. And that was a dirty old F5000 that <laughs> you have to drive well within yourself so yeah. that you, you don't crash them. But anyway, we'd love to see that happen. He uh, he still drives his mate Joe Collegia's March, I think it's a March mm. 741 Formula One car, mid-70s F1 car. I remember him at the Adelaide Motorsport Festival a couple of years ago. He was on track in that. So this is still the old tube frame Formula One cars well before carbon uh, fibre was a thing. And he was on the track with like Josh Keane in the footwork, Arrows. Uh, I think Tim Slade was driving. Todd uh, Hazelwood was driving the Keane's Benetton B186. And I spoke to Bowie afterwards. And he was like, oh, these guys, they're just not trying hard enough. I was quicker than them in some spots in my little old March. <laughs> What are they doing? Put me in a carbon car with a Cosworth V8. It'd be great. It's still competitive. Noltz, we love talking to you. Uh, thanks for jumping on. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to the weekend and hearing your dulcet tones as part of the Stan Sport coverage throughout 2022. And of course, all of the other stuff you do as well. Yeah, I can't wait. You and I in a box together for four hours on Saturday oh and Sunday. God. I'm sure we'll come out better <laughs> people afterwards. You're on Gem as well. Yep. It's on free to wear. Yeah. Yep. It is, absolutely. Don't complain, you can watch it. Correct, a couple of hours each day. Sign up for a free trial on stand. Yes. Not rocket science. (laughs) You know, I don't want to give the game away too much because ultimately they want to build subscriptions, but, you know, free trial, amazing. Uh, Look forward to it, Nolts. It's going to be good fun. Thanks for jumping on and joining us here on The Grid. 
Thanks, guys. Can't wait. See you on the weekend. There's more great motorsport stories coming next. On the Grid. You are listening to On the Grid, the motorsport podcast with the lot. We like to think we've got cutting interviews with big name guests and we've got a bit of colour, a bit of fun. We talk about beer a lot, which is always a good thing. Uh, Richard Crow, Mark Walker with you today, filling in for Tony Shebecki, who is on gardening leave, but he's not actually. Now, Shebex works at a school in Melbourne's western suburbs and he's on school camp, Mark Walker. That's where he's not on assignment. I'm sorry. I made that up to sound dramatic at the start of the show. He's on assignment. That's his story, and he, he can He's stick by it. That's it. fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dishabex. He'll be back next week. Uh, what a year we've got coming up for you on the grid and indeed on the racetalk.com. And already this year, we don't like blowing our own trumpet too much, but record traffic flowing to the site with our uh, mix of uh, interesting stories and behind-the-scenes features and telling the stories no one else either wants to or can be bothered telling. But it seems to work for us and we absolutely love it. And this guy is a big part of that. And we're joined by Tom Archuli from Doric. Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Firstly, we've got cool news, right? I think we'll get it right out, straight back. You're back for another year. Hashtag Doric guy lives on. Doric Guy lives on and we're returning for another year as major sponsor of the race talk. And I'm very privileged to speak to the Minister for Tourism for South Australia and Australia's NASCAR ambassador, Mark Walker. (laughs) Stop it. Good roles. I'll take those. That's great. Apparently I was the ambassador for Todd Road Go-Karts the other day because I encourage everyone to get along to the Australian (laughs) Championships. I went to the warm-up there on the weekend and people bang on about, oh, Speedway, so much action. No, no, no. You want to go to the preview to the australian championships there must have been sheep stations galore up for grabs there that was the most hectic motorsport i've ever seen so get along to the australian championships go-karts at uh todd road end of february like it hectic stuff uh tommy we thank you for your support we love it we're looking forward to all the stuff we've got coming on and as part of that you'll be joining us throughout the year both on the website, you're going to run some features, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, and you'll be joining us on the podcast too, which will be tremendous. And we've got you in this week just to talk about some of the key issues in the sport. So as we usually do, we'll run through our list. The first one we should touch on in the supercars world is that the most ridiculous debate in the history of technical regulations in supercars has been finalized. It was going to go one way or the other, paddle shift or stick. They've gone stick finally we can put this issue to bed, boys, and the supercar drivers, for better or for worse, will be changing gears the old-fashioned sequential way uh, for at least another couple of years. Uh, thoughts, feelings, expectations. Where do we start? Where Where do you start, Richard? Where do you start? I mean, first of all, why did they even bother talking about this in the first place? And there was science behind it it wasn't just a case of somebody in the back room's gone you know what would be cool having some paddle shifts the whole thing about this gen 3 is that it's not as expensive they've tried to take cost out of it and one of the areas where they've tried to take cost out of it is the engines and unfortunately by taking cost out of it it's not as inverted commas good an engine that can cop as big a hiding so one of the things that they thought of doing was to limit the abuse on the on the drivetrain, on the engine, is to have the paddle shifts and have the auto blip and all that sort of thing in there so that you're not giving it a massive rev on the downchange and blowing the engine up. What's subsequently happened over the weekend is that they've come out and said, we've listened to the fans and we're going with paddle shift. The problem is the fans, the only thing they've, they're not here for the science. They're here to listen to their Shane Van Gisbergens and the Nick Percats of the world who've been absolutely banging on about how sports buggered if they lose their stick shift yeah. we haven't had this level of whinging since we got rid of the h pattern and we put the sequential <laughs> shifter in there correct but i would love to see how caruso was going to change down gear so violently with a, a paddle shift it would have been fascinating to see how he would have gone with that so have they done the testing and they figured out that hey the engine can cop the hiding or are we going to turn up to adelaide for the first round next year and get to the first slow corner and blow 25 engines because they've all had a big downshift on the first lap What's well, going to happen? Well, I've uh, I've got some intel. Oh, here we go. Here I we like go. Because uh, as you know, we are a personal sponsor and a team sponsor of DJR plus Will Davison. I had a phone call with Mr. Davison on Friday night. So he was saying that this they have been pounding around Queensland Raceway doing some testing. And not once has he mentioned to me paddle shift versus stick shift. 
But there has been some challenges with Gem3. There has been some challenges, has been documented on some websites this week. So, you know, they definitely need to just the paddle shift is fine. That why, why do we need to uh, go to paddle shift? Stick shift, it's fine. It's a great tool to use. Why would you change from the stick shift to a paddle shift? It just makes no sense. And why? Supercars, you don't need to change what's working. Science, science, science. blowing up the engines. <laughs> That's going to be the telling point when it starts having to throw engines at the things. The, the worst part about this whole saga was the press conference at Bathurst, which derailed badly um, to, to discuss this with Roland Dane on one side of the equation and Rob Herod representing Ford on the other. And it was it was almost embarrassing how that played out, especially with the respective motorsport bosses from GM special vehicles and Ford performance there as well, that it just devolved into this debate about paddle shift versus sequential. And it struck me that there was some, probably some distractions going on in the world of supercars at the time, because at the, that point they were close to being sold and they were going through the sale process. But like when NASCAR were coming up with their current car, which made its debut on the weekend, and we'll touch on that in a minute, um, they went, these are the specs we're going to run, deal with it. And it struck me that it probably just needed that heavy-handed approach. And the drivers will bitch and moan about it until they're blue in the face, but then they'll rock up at round one when they need to collect a paycheck and they'll drive it and they'll have all of the same pros and cons that they do from every other racing car. And Tommy, you mentioned Michael Caruso. Well, he's been racing TCR cars. They're all paddle shifts. And uh, he's just been very aggressive on the flappy paddles, but um, it, it hasn't changed the way he drives a racing car. So it's been so blown out of proportion and the, the drivers that have jumped on the bandwagon have jumped on it real hard. And I, I kind of like that they have because I like the drivers actually saying something meaningful for once, which is, and taking an opinion rather than being vanilla and sitting on the fence. But maybe there are better subjects to do than something that really doesn't change the way the sport operates in the long term oh the fan base has been absolutely polarized by what they've been fed because all their stars are coming out here and they've got a soapbox mm. the guys making the technical rules decisions in the background what what platform do they have who's going to listen to them mm. one of the best people that have talked about it i don't necessarily agree with everything he's ever done barry ryan you go and listen to his interview he did with aaron noonan last year over in our friends at the vat sleuth he explained exactly the reasons behind the thinking of having paddle shift now, I get it. I, I'm neither here nor there. I've got to tell you, my favourite car of all time was my Toyota Hilux uh, work ute, diesel, 600,000 Ks in the clock. Not much of a clutch, mind you. <laughs> and I just spent that whole year flat shifting and giving a massive blood in the downturn. You know who thought he was having the best time in the world? This guy. You know who didn't <laughs> care? Everyone else on the road. All they saw was this dirty old dunger that's been in a Ram raid once. It didn't matter outside. You know, people go, oh, the best thing is watching the foot cam in the cars as they go in the telecast. Do you know who had the foot cam in the last rounds last year? Open question. Anyone remember? I don't, I don't recall. I, was, I focus on more important things. Yeah, it was Gary Jacobson, and they'd shot for 15 seconds in Friday practice, and then you'd never see it again for the rest of the weekend because there's so many better things to look at. <laughs> and the whole thing, oh, you know, stick shift's so important. What's the difference between, you've got to pitch this, it's a, audio medium, I know, but going click, click behind the steering wheel and go uh, with your hand like that. Who mm. cares? That makes no difference whatsoever. It's the most manliness debate of all time for car racing. It's good, isn't it? I like it. Yeah, I like it. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's like when Ferrari brought the paddle shifters into the 1990 Ferrari Formula One car and the world blew up, but a year later, every single car in Formula One had paddle shifts and no one cared for the rest of humanity and uh, is such the case today. Uh, so anyway, the decision's been made. Fantastic. We can all get on with life now. And I am actually enjoying, boys, watching the stuff, especially the stuff supercars are putting out. And they're pumping out a lot of content about the testing process of these cars. And this is now, for mine, where it becomes interesting is where we start seeing these cars run. And uh, they'll run at the open test at Winton in a couple of weeks' time. They've come out and said they won't be timed. Understand that. Every single person will be timing by iPhone that day anyway, so it won't matter. Um, it's, it's like when people talk about when Jensen Button and Craig Lowndes drove the F1 car at Bathurst, and they go, oh, no, we're not timing it. We're not timing it. Well, there were 15,000 people there, and there were 15,000 people timing by their mobile phone. So everyone knows it did a 158 and a half. But 
and everyone saw the onboard footage, which exactly. is we, very, very easy yeah. to timestamp. With Vodafone put up with a laptop, right? <laughs> <laughs> which will happen with this. But boys, I've enjoyed. I think we get into the meat of Gen Three now, where we we see this program start to evolve and develop and get more drivers into it. So, Tommy, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them run at Winton and actually not run at Queensland Raceway for a change, which would be great. And then they'll be at Sydney Motorsport Park running around, and that's going to be really interesting because. We, no one knows Sydney Motorsport Park better than supercars at the moment. <laughs> so we now get to see the next gen of the sport running at a track where they've done a billion laps in the last four or five months. That's going to be really interesting. Maybe they'll actually change the track and maybe do the short track or the long track just for a <laughs> bit of variety. Just Wouldn't to spite nice? everybody though. Wasn't it? They'll just take the everybody. Mickey massively and run the long track. But yeah, just just um, talking about Gen 3, look, you know, I spoke to Will on, on on Friday and he was saying that, you know, he's been fully Gen 3 mode. He has done nothing with the 2022 car this year since mm. the end of the season. So he's been fully uh, in Gen 3 2023 testing that car. So, you know, he's, that's all he's done since the end of the season. So there are some guys who haven't set foot in the car for this year and they've all been doing is testing for next year. So it's an interesting challenge for the guys this year. The cars are definitely very different, different beasts, and they definitely have some... Uh, things they've got to fix, but it's a very exciting time for the sport, no doubt. The thing you mentioned there, Rich, is that they're banging out all this content. Supercars are getting in front of it. They're taking ownership of it. There was so long there last year, especially, and probably the year before, where they didn't. It was all just wafting around in the background and someone would put out a negative story about it and everyone get a negative taste in their mouth and then they'd put Mark Larkham up in front of a TV screen and try and smooth it all over. But having it out there, documenting it, getting in front of it, building up the hype, Good thing. Good on them. Yep. And I think I think this year in F1 is going to be something which supercars can learn from from next next year to see what how they go about it. How you know they've changed their regulations and changed their rules this year. So how can supercars learn from the biggest motorsport in the world to how they can implement the rule changes next year as well? Well, and the other lesson, and this is a cracking segue. I'm very proud of this. The other lesson say. is NASCAR. And on the weekend at the Los Angeles Coliseum. We saw the next-gen NASCARs roll out for the first time on a quarter-mile oval. And the best thing I love about all of this is that in two weeks, they're on a a two-and-a-half-mile super speedway, which is just sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, But the Bushlight Clash, I thought, boys, it was fantastic. As an entertainment product, it was great. And the Clash was a race that... Well, I've always watched the Daytona 500. The Clash was just, oh, yeah, it's on. I'll check the results, see who wins. Didn't matter. But this was much must-watch TV, and the ratings that have appeared in America since then have proved that. Highest Los Angeles rating outside of the Daytona 500 in five or six years, I think, which is really important because that's one of the biggest TV markets in the United States. Lots and lots of social media interaction. It looked terrific on TV. What do we think? My, my initial thought was that it was just such a really good show and it made that event an event and rather than just another race at, at Daytona. So all the reports coming back from the States, people who were there, the drivers, the series, everyone, 100%, A++++. Can't fault it. They just knocked it out of the park first thing. Some of the things to think about is that there were 55,000 paying punters there, which is pretty close to capacity because they had to take out some seats for safety reasons and stages and whatnot. But 70% of them had never been to a NASCAR race before. They can tell through the back end of Ticketmaster that these were 70% new fans, which is fantastic. But then they also had the Pitbull concert. They had the Ice Cube concert. It was just this completely, they just had a big swing and they knocked it out of the park. What can supercars do? What is the takeaway for supercars? We already do street circuits. We do them very, very well. Townsville, you know, when we go to Adelaide, Albert Park, Gold Coast, these places, we we do street circuits very well. We do bring bring the motorsport to the people. But is there some other way that we can innovate? I know Chad Nalen, friend of the show, put one out there on his socials the other day. What should supercars do? And people are like, oh, run the short circuit at Sydney Motorsport Park. No, no, don't do that. We can do something better than that. Why, not the, why not the MCG? What can we do? It, it's bigger why not than the MCG. The why not, bigger than the LA Coliseum. Why not Stadium Australia and MCG? <laughs> those two venues will perfectly fit. Now, you could do the Race of Champions style format in those events. They used to race at, you know, places like Wembley in the UK. So, you know, 
uh, when I lived in London, I went to the uh, race champions at London Stadium, which is the same size. So you could do the same size as um, Stadium Australia. So you do the same thing here in Australia and build that for supercars in Sydney. You could do, you know, we've got so many drivers, so much talent, so many different cars. You could actually do it. You could do a great Gen 3 launch like, like NASCAR's done very similar way um, in one of those venues and, and really do something a bit different. Obviously, we've got plenty of concert talent in Australia. We can roll out the great... Aussie hits that we always do at supercars, bring back, you know, the great Ian Moss. We do it every time we do a, a, a Townsville night race, a Townsville street race. So look, for me, let's bring it to the people. Let's go to inside of one of those venues and try and put something on completely different. So the other takeaway and going back to your segue from Gen 3 supercars to the next gen NASCAR is that this was a debut of a completely new package that's very much supercar spec. It's so far away from what the old NASCAR used to be with their single lug nuts and the composite bodies and the transaxle that we've got in the supercars, exact same transaxle mm. gearbox there. Moving the numbers. Oh my God. Have <laughs> you ever heard, if you've heard some whinging about stick shift, you should have heard the whinging from NASCAR about moving the number forward. But having this mega event to kick things off that completely took all of the attention away from all these other new things. I mean, the fan bases are a lot of over there in NASCAR. You don't want to go changing things, but then they did this race that was so cool, but all these other things, it's like, Oh, I forgot that that was even a thing that happened. There were a couple little mechanical dramas. You know, they say, Oh, the transaxle had drums. It wasn't transaxle. It was prop shaft dramas, which mm. we've had in supercars before when you are at full throttle and you dump the clutch. Yeah. Which, which is what they doing. figured out. <laughs> Try and get heat into tires. Exactly right. I think one of the smart things they did is that this week, uh, Super Bowl is in LA. Yep. So it's the free, one of the freest weekends you could possibly get in the United States TV time for sport. It's free air to go and do. You know, supercars traditionally have had, you know, that free weekend for Bathurst on in October after the grand finals for NRL and AFL. There's an opportunity after cricket season before the footy code start to have a perfect launch to the motorsports season at a great venue now. with great now bang now with this free air where everyone can cover it you can put it on whatever network you wanted and you can get plenty of colonies for it so that's the opportunity for supercars definitely in the future i, I think the thing boys that we've been frustrated is probably not the right word but it's the only one i can think of with the whole supercars thing over the last two years was the 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 towing of the line and, and only slightly pushing the boundaries of what was accepted from a supercars weekend so mm. it, rather than throwing the template out like nascar did by running on a quarter mile oval which joey logano said i haven't raced on a track this short since i was in quarter midgets which traditionally race on those tracks um throwing the rule book out that but but in supercars it's oh, we'll run a super soft tire but we'll, we'll go back to city motorsport park or we'll run under lights now all of these things are good and we like this innovation and the final sydney event on saturday night and you and i were there tom worked it was great it was a really good race it was under lights it looked fantastic it rated really well it ticked all the boxes but it, it didn't move the needle far enough to be something completely wild to throw the book at something and go let's do something completely crazy like nascar have done but it, it's the same thing they did with Bristol, Mark, as well, by covering the place in dirt. Uh, who would have thought you'd do that? It's such a completely ridiculous idea to, A, cover a paved half-mile oval, the, one of the steepest bank tracks on the calendar in dirt, but then run NASCARs on it. Sprint cars, sure, they've done that. But run NASCARs? Outrageous. But it's turned out to be one of the highlights of the season. Uh, I mean, sp sprint cars at Bristol's pretty sketch. Uh, terrifying. That's, that's absolutely yeah. frightening. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's interesting what they do next. Do they go back to LA? Because this format that they've achieved is transferable to any stadium of a similar size. But then there's other considerations too, is that half of North America at the moment, it's still the depths of winter and it's snowing. So you can't necessarily do it too much further north. Next year, the Super Bowl's in Phoenix. Is there a suitable stadium there? Because you can't go to an NFL stadium because they play NFL at these stadiums while they're trying to pave the track. So you sort of need an LA Coliseum that, you know, they've gone and ripped the track up and sowed the field again so they can have a rugby match there in a few weeks yeah. time. So you sort of need to have the right situation, but it's the sort of thing that you could Take on Ideally, the road. take somewhere else, yeah. Well, the NHL do it, National Hockey League, with the Winter Classic, 
where they take the winter classic to a major league baseball stadium yeah. and they go around and, and one of them was played at Wrigley field in Chicago, which was a complete and utter whiteout. And there's this hockey field, ice hockey field in the middle it looked extraordinary, but that's traditionally one of the most watched hockey games of the season. And of the big four U S sports, major league hockey, uh, NHL is the fourth of the big four by quite a margin. It doesn't have the same reach as NBA or, or NFL, but um, that moves the needle and it's thinking outside the box. So I agree with you that we need to find a way to do something like that in Oz. Now, whether it's with supercars or not, I don't think it matters, to be honest. It's got to be the sport full stop. Now, it could be an S5000 race. It could be TCR. It could be Trans Am. It could be anything. I, I just think we need to do something completely wild because proof is in the pudding that it moves the needle. Do you think the last time we did something completely wild in Australia, like I think it's, I don't know if it was 97, like Cooler Park Under Lights, 97? Was that? Uh, yeah, Peter Brock Classic, 96. Peter Brock Classic, 96. Like, yeah. was that uh, 95, like, that was 95 maybe, like 95, 96, 97, one of those dates. Like that's the last time we really did something out of the box. That was the first time Under Lights and stuff properly, right? So mm. when was the last, so that's 25, 27 years ago. So we've done something completely out of the box in a motorsports sphere like you see motocross do races inside the big venues but that's what they do around the world so you're not really innovating so to speak but what can we do to you know we saw the australian grand prix run across the harbour bridge when pr stunt but like you know what can we do in those big cities to to capture the market well the thing and speedway gp at Etihad stadium in melbourne sort of stands out Let, let's bring motor racing into a a capital city venue where we can make it work. Now, I'm not suggesting that it's it, it's never going to be easy to do it for supercars, and and certainly you might end up running on an oval. But is that such a terrible thing? Is it such a bad? I don't know. If it's a bad thing because now they're basically cup cars anyway. So the the theory behind a, a Gen three supercar and the current Gen new Gen NASCAR they're not as far apart fundamentally as a package. Look, it's different, right? Sorry, Mark. It's got to be different because we're trying to attract new fans, mm. not fans we already have so that's mm. like you know the thing that we've talked about previously about you know seeds with walkinshaw and dread united those streaming highlights it's just on ko right all our fans are on ko because they watch supercars like that should be in on netflix or one of those other streaming platforms to bring new fans in because that's what we're trying to do with these events is bring new people in so the sport continues to grow when some of the older fans aren't around anymore i still think the most exciting form of motorsport you could possibly ever get is rental cars you go and sign the damage waiver at the airport and bring it back just a steaming pile. It'd be spectacular. Could you imagine that? The greatest have, scene from the greatest movie of all time. You could you'd absolutely the, correct. You'd have the Hyundai versus the Kia versus someone out there in a big people mover. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, someone would rock up in the MPV and would have a proper, proper crack at it. Strip all the seats out, get all the weight off it. And go out there and just block. You'd like wind up getting never block before. You'd get the Kia that would have the lane assist that you can't switch off, <laughs> yeah. and you'd just be stuck in the outside line. Uh, I spun a Hyundai Gets at Phillip Island once. Fun fact. What? Yeah, rental car. Yeah, Legit? Good story. Yeah. on the track. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> in the pits. <laughs> That's what makes it worse. <laughs> oh, I can't tell any more of that story. It's the statute of limitations probably exists. Um, last one before we wrap up, and uh, Tom, we've. Thoroughly enjoyed having you on, and we look forward to more of this throughout the course of the year. You're listening to On The Grid, Richard Crowell, Mark Walker, Tom Archilli from Doric, our great supporters with us uh, for out 2022. You had something you wanted to raise, my friend, based on various announcements about broadcast deals over the last week. This is your opportunity, and this, this could be a segment for you, perhaps, we roll out, where you get up on your sandbox, soapbox, and... Tell us your thoughts, and your thoughts are about streaming, I believe. Well, you could do Tommy's thoughts instead of like, I don't, if my name was like Sam, it could be Sam's soapbox, but I'm not that Tommy's, lucky. Tommy's, Tommy's thoughts. Something like that. We'll work on something catchy, but it's either way, it's powered catchy. by Doric. Yes. Well, streaming. Now, there's been some news going around about ARG signing with Stan Sport and streaming. Now, I've read a lot of comments on Facebook and social media, which you probably never should do because they're never good. No, but there are a lot of people saying this is a terrible thing for sport. Now, it's only a terrible thing if it's not paid for. Things, the way that these things work is somebody has to pay for them. And if nobody's willing to pay for it, then it has to go somewhere. And 
Stan Sport is actually growing. And it's not just about motorsport. Stan Sport has an actual massive portfolio of sport. It actually has. It has football. It has the Champions League rights, which are very valuable to a lot of other people. It has all the Grand Slam tennis. And now it's growing into motorsport. And it's 10 bucks a month extra on top of what you pay for Stan. It's less, it's less than KO at the moment. So you're actually getting the sport growing in terms of what's on there and you're paying less than you pay for KO. So the value for money is there. And I can tell you the amount of people under the age of 40 who do not watch TV anymore and only stream things is quite high. I wouldn't even, my TV doesn't even have an antenna. It that's 100% of this chat top. <laughs> yes. It does not have an antenna. It is connected via an internet portal and is streamed over Wi-Fi. And that doesn't appear on TV ratings. And that's why streaming numbers are never released and only released when it matters and are so important for the future of sport. And you might not watch it on TV. It doesn't matter. Guess what? There's 100,000 people to a million people watching it on streaming, and that's what matters to these people because if you don't pay for it, sports don't run. And the most important thing is the money to keep the sports going. And you won't have money. You won't have any racing anymore. I, I tell you, Tom, the thing that's going to tip me over the edge is the fact that Stan has got the Speed Series because when it was just IndyCar, oh, I can sort of take and leave it. You know, oh, I really want to watch the IndyCar, but it's probably not worth 10 bucks a month to me. But the fact that they've got all this ARG content and the from the Shannon's events and everything else, oh, I think that tips me over the edge. I, I can see 10 bucks a month value there, absolutely no problem. And then the thing with Stan as well is that the missus has all of her programs and movies and stuff that I don't care about. So there's there's value there. I can explain my 10 bucks a month if she gets her 10 bucks a month of value out of everything else that's on it. And I also think people in Australia don't realise how lucky they have got it in terms of television and sport content. Like as someone who's lived overseas in the, in the UK and the US, I can tell you watching sport in Australia is so much easier free to air than it is overseas. The English Premier League is the biggest sporting league in the world globally. And you cannot watch a game free to air. There is no free to air. You have to have pay TV and you only can watch highlights at night and you can get a three minute YouTube clip of the game two hours after it finishes. Oh, that sounds fine to me though, Tom. It does sound fine for you. Like the NFL, the NFL's, NFL has, uh, it's all on free to air TVs because it's it's the most, it's the biggest in terms of um, TV deal in the yeah, world. Well, Fox and NBC and everyone dolly up massive amounts of money for it. But look at the, if you look at the F1 rights, go on the Wikipedia and look at who's got the Formula 1 rights. There's like two countries in the, in the world who actually have the Formula 1 on free-to-air 24-7. The rest of it's all pay TV. Yep. And some people don't like it, and that's look, that's fine. And, and we understand that some people, for whatever reason it might be, can't get streaming or don't morally don't want to get streaming, and that is entirely your decision. And if that's the way you want to go, that's fine. But... I will give you an example just to finish off the show. And, and we've got a broader story coming on the race talk about this um, when time permits, when we're not busy preparing <laughs> for motorsport on Stan Sport this weekend. Um, May this year, extraordinary month for motor racing. Very quickly, Bathurst 12 hour, 20 hours of live coverage, more or less. Supercars at Winton, more or less 20 hours across three days and Fox and KO. ARG Speed Series at Sydney Motorsport Park. IndyCar have got the GMR Grand Prix and the road course pole day and qualifying day at the Indy 500 and the Indianapolis 500. The WEC has got six hours of spa world rally championship at Portugal. What a great championship that is this year. If you like this kind of thing, and I don't know why, but if you do formula E are in Berlin and they've got two rounds there, formula one, Miami, Catalonia, Monaco Grand Prix. Now every single one of those will be live on either KO or Stan sports. Now, give or take, it's 115 hours of live motorsport. But if you add in, boys, and you two, like me, watch everything. It's the pre-show, the post-show, the debriefs, even sometimes Ted Notebook if we have to. No. Um, <laughs> it's somewhere in the vicinity of seven days of motor racing in the month of May. Full days, 24 hours, nonstop. Seven days of the 31, 30 days in May. Uh, of motor racing. If now, if you subscribe to Stan Sport and Ko, it's forty-five bucks a month. It's thirty-nine cents an hour to watch all of it, seven days straight. 
And you get to lose all your friends and, and exactly, family. Exactly, just more bonuses thrown it, into this box. It'll wind up costing you half in the short term, but in the long term, you get to watch a, a lot of motorsport, really, don't you? <laughs> I just, yeah, you break the value proposition down, it, it, becomes, <laughs> it becomes better. Uh, I've enjoyed this immensely. Boys, thank you very much. Tom, thank you, mate. We, we love having you on the show. We'll get you back on in a couple of weeks. Um, Sydney Motorsport Park, supercars, not that far away. We'll all go super and bikes. get Stockholm disease going back to that place. Uh, yeah, Superbikes. Now, the Doric-backed uh, Desmo Sport Ducati team in action this year. Looking forward to that. That's going to be are. good. First yeah. round is on the 28th of February at Phillip Island. And a new rider. Brian Starring. Oh, really? Good name. Good yeah. name. I think we might need to look at getting Mr. Starring on the show. Before that, and we'll talk some superbikes. Australian Superbike Championship in pretty good shape at the moment, which we like. Uh, and I think the two plus fours back at Darwin mm-hmm. later this year as well, which is good. And top fuel yes. dragsters there as well, which is going to be great. And the Doric 50th anniversary celebration might be just around the corner as oh, well. In June. I love, love a 50th. Good parties, 50th. Uh, <laughs> look forward to this year. Tom, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mr. Crowell. Thank you, Mr. Walker. No, no, thank you. Uh, Mark, as always, it's been a pleasure. And we'll all see you on Stan and Jem this weekend. Oh, you won't see me. You'll hear me, though, which is great. Uh, yeah. If it hasn't been oh. announced already, tremendous broadcast team put in place for that. Some real guns fronting up the uh, the program and just myself and Noltz uh, grinding away in the commentary box, which is what we do. So we'll enjoy that. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Tony Shebeki back from assignment next week. We really look forward to that. He just adds so much to the show. Uh, we're going to play you out again with our new Aussie bloke outro, which we're in love with. Uh, You've been listening to On The Grid. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by theracetalk.com. This is On The Grid.